Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Comes V, the guerrilla economist. He clears the fog of economic and geopolitical disinfo. Know the truth. See the trends. Understand the players. Protect your future and family. The financial freedom fighter, a rebel with a cause. This worldwide transmission has been brought to you by V, the Guerrilla Economist. Helping the world understand, prepare and make sound decisions to protect your future and your family. Visit V, the Guerrilla Economist at roguemoney.net. Spelt R-O-G-U-E-M-O-N-E-Y.net for additional information. And so- A little old school there. Anyway, folks, it's V, the Guerrilla Economist coming to you live. It's Monday morning. We have the one and only Harley Schlanger with us. You can find Harley over at LaRoucheOrganization.com, LaRoucheOrganization.com, as well as SchillerInstitute.com, SchillerInstitute.com. And with that being said, Harley, there are so many things going on, um, victories, drama. I mean, I, I don't know where you want to begin. We have the, 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 the wonderful picture you sent us about the, uh, the UFO cult meeting in secret in Brussels, Belgium. We're talking about, of course, the European leaders, along with the uh, the the... You know, the, the potato head in the White House um, meeting and all dressed the same. It's it's kind of insane, but uh, <laughs> I mean, where do you want to start, Arlie? It's, it's, it's well, and it does look like they're sitting in a flying saucer. Actually, yes. they're meeting in Garmisch Partikirchen, which is in the beautiful southern Bavaria in the Alps. Ah, but why they're closing themselves off like that is is uh, probably because of the silliness of what they're discussing. Look, the, the, we should talk about the different summits underway. You have the EU summit going on today. You've got a NATO summit at the end of the week. But over the weekend, you had the BRICS summit. Yes. And uh, this was the, a... The only uh, summit that mattered. That's right. And it was a totally different uh, affair. You had leaders there who are committed to a partnership for economic development for themselves and the rest of the world. And this freaked out the establishment of the European Union and NATO, because all they're talking about is military buildup and and destroying Russia. So they patched together this completely absurd proposal, which they say will counter the Belt and Road Initiative, which they say is uh, a debt trap for the poor countries. Oh, yes. And what they're proposing, well, it's interesting, even Oxford economists came out and said the Chinese policy is not a debt trap. The IMF is the author of the debt trap. Yep. God forbid. God forbid. I mean, these people think that well, they need us. The the rest of the world needs us because we are cultured and learned and we have so much industry and knowledge and know-how in order to share with these unwashed masses. Well, I'll get to that in a moment. You know, they, they, pledge, they pledge $600 billion for the next five years for an infrastructure plan. Now, keep in mind, the EU and the G7 and other countries have made these pledges before and never delivered. They pledged $20 billion, for example, at the uh, 
uh, COP26 conference. Not a penny of that was ever delivered. The U.S. is supposed to provide over $200 billion. Well, where are we going to get it? Just print funny money? Uh, the Europeans say they're going to provide $300 billion. And what are they emphasizing? Climate change, digital infra- infrastructure, and gender equity. Yes, I'm sure the global south, the G20, they'll all, they all, these people are so dumb. And, and the fact of the matter, and the proof of the pudding that they are so stupid, Harley, is the fact that when you go to near, uh, 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 where is it? Downing Street, okay, where, where in London, you got nothing but these weird looking pride flags. Every week, a new color, a new design is adding to it to the point that people who suffer from, color uh, uh uh you know caused epilepsy are being triggered by the new pride flag that keeps changing with all these multiple colors <laughs> it is a disgusting aberration of a flag and these morons in the west think that the rest of the world is as rotted in the brain as they are it's disgusting well if you think having lectures on gender equity will feed the starving people in east africa then you probably should be in the g7 because this is a bunch of deluded, fantasizing uh, nitwits who, the, you know, they're, they're in the midst of a summer of discontent in Europe. There's a labor shortage. There is a parts shortage. Top officials of the British government in the last week have issued statements saying we have to be prepared to fight again in Europe. But then they turn around and say, but we can't produce enough bullets. We don't have enough industry. They're talking about an industrial war production capability, which they don't have. They have a labor shortage, especially a skilled labor shortage. So if you look at the discussions that are underway with the G7 on how they're going to take away the uh, influence of China's Belt and Road Initiative with their fake green agenda, or how they're going to defeat Russia with their with a lack of ammunition and a lack of soldiers in Ukraine, you get a sense that, that these people are, they're playing games. They, yeah. They've played too many video games. Oh, they have. They've created all sorts of video games that are called computer simulations ran by think tanks that tells them they will be absolutely, absolutely unstoppable and that they're going to win that any moment, Harley, any moment Russia is on the verge of outright defeat. Well, and they're, their narratives are completely contradicted by the so-called experts who are reporting on these things. For example, if people want to see one of these statements, there's a group called the Royal United Services Institute, which is billed as the oldest British defense think tank. Keep the emphasis on the word royal. Yeah. It's the monarchy's defense of the empire policy. In their current issue, they publish an, an article by a guy named Lieutenant Colonel Vershina, who's an American. And what he says is that to wage war, you either need the ability to produce ammunition or you need industrial production capabilities that can be converted to ammunition production. The West apparently has neither. No, they don't. So this is what they're telling themselves at the same point the new head of the British army is saying, we must be prepared to fight in Europe, fight alongside our allies to defeat Russia. Now, 
the, the guy who made that statement must have missed the memo that said the British Army is going to be shrunk from 82,000 to 72,000. Now, then Stoltenberg announced today that NATO is going to increase its rapid deployment force from 40,000 to 300,000. Now, unless they put suits of armor on people marching in gay parade marches, it's not going to work. That is the plan. It's going to be a new... It's going to be a new military, Harley, the likes of which the world has never seen. They're not only going to put those that are in rainbow-colored uniforms, but those who are also morbidly obese, which is and, and all sorts of mental disorders, Harley. They will be the frontline fighters for the new special operations forces that are operating in the West. I don't think the Russians can face such an onslaught. Well, then, then you look at what's happening, for example, with the strike wave that's hitting Britain, the anti-war demonstration in Brussels on Saturday, which drew over 80,000 people. You have farmers, truckers, rail workers on strike throughout Europe. And then you have the, the other strikes, which are the Russian strikes on Ukraine's military positions. And there's a degrading of the Ukrainian military underway, which is really unprecedented. The we, we've done some interviews with uh, Colonel Richard Black. You also can find interviews with Scott Ritter or with uh, uh, former Colonel uh, Douglas McGregor. Yeah. What they're all saying is Ukraine is lost. What's the purpose of continuing to arm them unless you're trying to kill off more Ukrainians? That That is the purpose. And so they, they bring Zelensky on virtually into the G7 meeting today, and they all go nuts about how brave he is and courageous he is. And then God. he turns around and says, look, you got to give us more weapons so that we can stand up to Russia so then we can negotiate. He's begging for nukes, I heard, and, at this point. Well, and and he's saying we need that to be able to negotiate from a position of strength. Oh, yeah. <laughs> now, imagine what's happening with other countries in Europe that have applied for EU membership. Sure. That have been put on a back when back of the line waiting list, like Turkey, yeah, like uh, Serbia. These are countries that have been waiting for years, and all of a sudden, Ukraine and Moldova are pushed to the forefront. Why? Because they're part of the the battering ram against Russia. Now, then you look at what Putin and Xi and Modi and Ramaphosa and even Bolsonaro, what they said in Beijing at the uh, BRICS summit. You know, Xi basically said, we're going to continue this process outside of block politics, outside of the Cold War mentality of offering economic development aid to every country and all people. Then you have Putin in his final speech confirming what we've been talking about, which is that the Russians and the Chinese are looking at a new foreign exchange system Mm -hmm. uh, outside of the dollar. It could include the dollar if the U.S. is not brain dead. No, they're brain dead. Well, that's probably the, the case. But what, what Putin said is that we are talking about a currency based on BRICS members' currencies, which are based on what? They're based on physical economy, goods, goods production, and so on. Russia, for example, uh, based on gold, on oil, on raw materials, on, on fertilizer production, on food production. Ours is uh, is, is backed on the genders of which we have an unlimited supply 
Uh, <laughs> China reportedly has 30,000 metric tons of gold in reserve through various sovereign wealth funds. Russia is the same. Uh, we are 7,000 genders mm-hmm. and climbing, so we are closing the gap. At least the 7,000 genders replaces the 6,800 metric tons of gold that was at one time in Fort Knox that is no longer there anymore. So the genders have value. And if we apply with the force multiplier that is known the that is known as the as the uh, as the selective pronoun, and at that point we can compete with anybody in the world, Harley. Well, and you can always go to a derivative dealer and, and go short on the first time a man will produce a baby. Yeah, absolutely. So you know we're we're dealing with collective insanity now today. The Europeans and and the U.S. were gloating that Russia defaulted on a bond. Now, the, first of all, Russia has very small <laughs> foreign debt. Tiny. Secondly, secondly, they said, we're prepared to pay it, but because of sanctions, you won't take our currency. Exactly. And who's going to get hurt? The bondholder. The bondholder gets hurt. I mean, th- this is how backward Western thinking is. These are the idiots that run our country. Well, we're going Putin, to sanction the Russians so they can't make bond payments. Well, it doesn't hurt the Russians. It hurts the... the a bondholder, and then we're we're going to prevent them from exporting gold. Well, who's going to be upset most about that? The gold bugs in the United States. That's it. That's it. So you have strategy coming from people who really couldn't even play two dimensional chess, and what they're dealing with is a situation in which the world is rejecting their rhetoric. I, I just did another interview this afternoon on an Algerian television station and the host at a certain point, uh, and this was supposed to be on the G7 summit, at a certain point he said, do these guys know what they're doing? Do they know the, the misery they're inflicting on their populations? And the answer is yes, they do. But they're telling people, this is the price you pay to live in a democracy. Now, what's the democracy? <laughs> it's, it's Boris Johnson and Macron and Schultz and Biden, not even Biden, but whoever's behind Biden, telling you what you will do and what you will accept, as opposed to the idea of the authoritarian states who are moving to protect their populations, not just militarily. The, here's the interesting thing. How is giving more weapons to Ukraine going to improve the standard of living and the circumstances of life for people on the globe. Well, Harley, I I think you're wrong there because I remember the time when the German economy imploded directly after World War II and the Reichsmark was canceled and the boys from Chicago came in and they issued 50 Deutschmarks in uh, in the bank account of every person that lived in the war torn Germany, right? And 50 Deutschmarks, that would be the equivalent of like a thousand bucks, you know, or, or, or $3,000 today. Actually, it'd be like more like $5,000 today, right? So, yeah. so the thing is, if you're a homeless bum, you lost everything during the, uh, the war in Germany, you're elated because now you have 50 Deutschmarks. And if you were a billionaire, you were, well, what you do is you took your 50 Deutschmarks, you go to the local pistol store, you buy yourself a gun, and you put it to your head. So yeah. it's, it's very similar to what the Western leadership is doing. They're going to allow us to, to absolutely end ourselves because that's what's going to happen. And, 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 and I say this euphemistically and jokingly, but when you look at it, our life expectancy is already decreased by two years. 
Yeah. Suicide rates are already through the roof. This is insane. Well, drug deaths, the the uh, people are watching their 401ks collapse. They're watching what they thought would be their, their security blanket, their housing, their value collapse. Uh, people who want new homes can't get it because the interest rates are up. You know, this is literally the worst of all possible worlds economically. But it's just the beginning because what's coming down the pike will be shortages of everything. Here in Germany, the imbecile who's the economics minister, Robert Habeck, who's a Green Party uh, ideologue, proudly announced that we're now one stage below emergency when it comes to energy policy. And the emergency includes quadrupled rates for home heating, and it also includes rationing of gasoline at the pump. And he said that uh, we are looking into things we can do about this, one of which is taking over the Nord Stream 2 pipeline. So here's the rules-based order, which is going to steal a pipeline, which was partly funded by Russia, but also there were 11 other countries that had businesses that invested in it. Yeah. So what gives them the right to nationalize that when they, they say that they're the freedom and democracy loving uh, party? So this is this is where you see the reality is coming to bite the fantasy. And, you know, Biden may not know what's going on. <laughs> Blinken has his blinders on. Um, <laughs> Boris Johnson is fighting to save his, his career. Macron just lost his power because the French assembly is going to be dominated by a left right opposition to him. And if they're smart, they'll join together and call for pulling France out of NATO's integrated command. The Spanish prime minister uh, is going into the NATO summit. He's the host saying, look, don't just worry about Russia. We got to worry about terrorism in Africa. Well, Why is there terrorism in Africa? Because the EU represents uh, colonial nations that never allowed those countries to develop. Right. Now the Chinese are coming in and investing in infrastructure in those countries, and the EU is saying, oh, no, that's a debt trap. So, you know, sometimes someone should write a, a play about the upside-down world of the Western establishment. And probably 200 It'll be a years, comedy. Well, 200 years from now, no one will believe it. They can't <laughs> believe people could have been so stupid and so ego-obsessed as to think of themselves as masters of the universe as they destroy the world in which they live. <laughs> I tell you, man, it, it, it really is hilarious. Well, V, let me just throw out one more thing that's, that's quite serious, which is I was just reviewing the uh, British conundrum of not having an industrial base anymore as they're flexing their muscles. And I went back to what LaRouche was saying in 1983 when he was negotiating for the Reagan administration with the Soviet Union to try and get them to accept working with Reagan on the Strategic Defense Initiative. And ultimately, they rejected it. Now, what LaRouche asked the question when he was meeting with them, he said, you may be able to match what the U.S. is doing in the military sector with the SDI, but can you enjoy the same rate of economic growth in the economy? Uh, as a result of civilian economic spinoffs. And LaRouche was talking about what could have been done with plasma technologies and so on, but, but wasn't done because the West was too stupid to take advantage of it also. 
But shortly after that, he then said he warned Soviet officials that the Soviet economy would collapse in about five years if they rejected the SDI policy. That was in February 83. Look at the timing. It was 1989 when the Soviet economy started imploding. Now, in October 1988, LaRouche said, we're, on October 12th, he said, we're on the verge of a breakup of the Soviet economic system. And he said, if we in the West stick to the post-August 15th, 1971 policies of the so-called social paradigm shift, our situation will become hopeless as well. And, and that's we saw that happen in 2008. We've seen it happen since then. And now we're sitting in the middle of this with inflation, supply chain breakdowns, not having a qualified labor force that can do the work. And this is the result of the rejection of the idea of physical economy in favor of the get-rich-quick neoliberal schemes. So we're, we're sowing what we reaped, or reaping what we sowed, I should say. And it's not a pretty picture. What we're doing, and I'll, I'll send this to you after we get off the air, we've drafted a call for a new Bretton Woods conference that would begin with the bankruptcy reorganization of the financial system taking the power out of the hands of the private bankers who control the central banks and having agreements for a fixed exchange rate uh, to uh, agreements to allow nations to have sovereign economic systems based on national banking so they can generate credit for physical production and then base trade on that kind of on those kinds of bilateral and multilateral relations with countries which have currencies which are based on something other than running a printing press 24 hours a day. So this is what we're doing. We're, we're mobilizing for that. Our, our recent conferences have been extraordinary groups of people coming around to have these discussions. And then you look at what Putin said. You look at what uh, even what Bolsonaro said in the Beijing BRICS summit. And you see that the world is moving in this direction away from the city of London and Wall Street. And Americans should stop complaining about how corrupt our elites are. Everyone knows that. It's on view for everyone in the world. Question is, are we prepared to replace them and to do that with constitutional methods? And that's what our call for a new Bretton Woods is all about. Very well said, Harley. Harley, I want to leave you with this. I want to leave you with something that absolutely encapsulates Western politics so well. Okay, so let me go ahead and play it. Well, if you insist on an even-handed approach, the Foreign Office might agree to your abstaining on the matter of Israel, so long as you authorize our man there to make a powerful speech attacking Zionism. Surely we should use the debate to promote peace, harmony, goodwill. Well, it'd be most unusual. <laughs> the UN is the accepted forum for the expression of international hatred. What about defending democracy on St. George's Island? Well, not if it harms British interests by upsetting those whom we wish to keep as friends. Humphrey, are you saying that Britain should not support law and justice? No, of course we should, Prime Minister. We just shouldn't let it affect our foreign policy. <laughs> we should all fight for the weak against the strong. Well, then why don't we send troops to Afghanistan to fight the Russians? <laughs> the Russians are too strong. <laughs> what was that you were saying about law and justice? Be that as it may, mm. I want assurances sent to the democratically elected Prime Minister of St. George's Island that Britain will stand by him. Well, perhaps you'd like to discuss this with the Foreign Secretary. 
Thank you, Hamlet. Thank you, Prime Minister. The great Hamlet. <laughs> Bernard. Uh, yes, Prime Minister. Where exactly is George's Island? Um, <laughs> Shall we look at the globe? <laughs> Good idea. Good afternoon, Luke. Good afternoon, Prime Minister. Now, uh, where is it? Uh, <laughs> uh, <laughs> so it's here in oh. the Arabian Sea. Right near the Persian Gulf? Yes, the lifeline of the West. And look, there's Afghanistan, which is now under Soviet control. That's only 400 miles north of the Arabian Sea. If the Soviets ever took Pakistan... Which they wouldn't. Well, if they did, they would control the Persian Gulf, the Arabian Sea, and the Indian Ocean. And the Soviets have always wanted what they call a warm water port. But there's no risk. They wouldn't invade Pakistan. Anyway, the Americans have a fleet permanently stationed here. The Indian Ocean. <laughs> uh, Prime Minister, may I have a word with you about uh, home affairs? Home affairs? Yes. Couldn't <laughs> wait. We're discussing foreign affairs. Uh, no, Prime Minister, it's rather urgent. <laughs> yes, Prime Minister, please. Oh, very well. Excuse me. What's yeah. the matter, Well, I don't want to be disloyal or anything. I didn't think it was an awfully good idea to continue that conversation in front of Luke. Luke? What? Security. Well, he's your colleague. He's one of my private secretaries. What on earth is M.I. 6 up to? Him? <laughs> so he's not that sort of security risk. It's just that he, he works for the Foreign Office. He works for me. Uh, yes, but he's, <laughs> he's not only your man from the Foreign Office, he's also their man in number 10. He's a plant. <laughs> oh. oh. Do you understand? Yes. No. <laughs> Are you telling me the Foreign Office is keeping something from me? Yes. Well, what? I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. You just said that the Foreign Office was keeping something from me. How do you know if you don't know? Well, I don't know specifically what, Prime Minister, but I do know the Foreign Office always keep everything from everybody. It's normal practice. <laughs> who does know? Um, may I just clarify the question? You are asking who would know what it is that I don't know and you don't know, but the Foreign Office know that they know. <laughs> but they are keeping from you so that you don't know, but they do know. And all we know, there is something we don't know and we want to know, but we don't know what because we don't know. <laughs> is that it? May I clarify the question? <laughs> who knows Foreign Office secrets apart from the Foreign Office? Oh, that's easy. Only the Kremlin. <laughs> There you go, Holly. That was pretty good. V, let me let me suggest one thing. If people want to hear or want to see the uh, call we're putting out on the new Bretton Woods, we're going to be sending it around for petition signatures. We want to get uh, governments involved in it, uh, local officials, and especially the ordinary population who are the ones who are suffering under this what we what we just saw. <laughs> This British system. So if, if people want would like to get a copy of this, send me an email at harleysch at gmail.com. That's H-A-R-L-E-Y-S-C-H at gmail.com. And I'll send it to you and, and go out and organize with it. it. It's got the essence of what would be a bankruptcy reorganization to take power away from the globalists and return it back to sovereign nation states, including our own 
for the sake of the physical economic development of all nations. Very well said. And folks, thank you so much for joining us. Again, it's Harley Schlanger. You know where to find him. Links will be in the description box, LaRoucheOrganization.com and ShillerInstitute.com. Harley, thank you again. And I think uh, we both can say that that clip exactly codifies and encapsulates everything wrong with Western governments. It confirms what I don't know. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> thank you so much, Harley. Thank you okay, all for listening. See you next week. Cheers. Bye-bye.